I'm Steve Lascalzo, and this is The Way. Welcome to the November 2022 This is The Way podcast Star Wars news update show. Andor is in the books, and what a welcome surprise the show has been for me. We still haven't finished our coverage. We've got the finale left to do, but it's been out for about a week now already. I'm not saying that I thought Andor was going to be terrible, but the two previous Star Wars shows were letdowns for me compared to the high that I was left with after The Mandalorian Season 2. Sure, the Book of Boba Fett show gave me more Luke than I could have imagined, and with Ahsoka on top of that, the first time we saw those two on screen together, oh, and of course, you know, R2-D2, and or it was something completely different. Not a lightsaber to be seen, at least we didn't see one ignite on screen. Vague references and Easter eggs to the original trilogy and Rogue One. The acting was terrific. The writing has been the best I've seen. The characters were mostly likable, at least the ones we were supposed to. And the messaging wasn't in the way. Whatever Disney messaging or Lucasfilm messaging they wanted to put in there, it, it it fit the Star Wars story. I said it last month, but Luna, Skarsgård, and O'Reilly should all be in contention for Emmys for their work, and everyone who had a hand in making this show deserves more work in Hollywood. I don't know. I mean, everything I do, I just want to like... I want to tell people about Star Wars. I want to make Star Wars cookies. I want to make I want to make speeches about Star Wars. I want to make ice cubes in the shape of Star Wars characters. It is time to update you on Star Wars news since our last news update podcast. With Andor season one in the rear view, season two isn't even a Death Star on the horizon. Shooting started already on season two, and though Tony Gilroy said he wanted everyone back in the writers' room and in the directors' chairs from season one. We do have new names for some of those spaces, confirmed finally by Tony Gilroy in interviews with Collider. We had heard about Ariel Kleiman last month, but now Jonas Metz and Alonso Ruiz Palacios join him. It looks like that means Susanna White, Ben Karen, and Toby Haynes won't be back, but not because Gilroy didn't want them. Scheduling is just tough, and they couldn't work it out. In fact, the same article indicated that Kleiman will be the Haynes of Season 2, directing two starry arcs for a total of six episodes, or half the season. That's good news, of course. Well, if he does a great job, like Haynes did. It's terrible news if we end up seeing right off the bat that he can't handle it. We also heard about the writing team adding Tom Bissell to the second season. And then, you know, returning actors like Diego Luna, Genevieve O'Reilly, Stellan Skarsgård, of course, Adrian Arjona. And Alan Tudyk is returning from Rogue One's cast as the voice of K2SO. And I guess as motion capture as well. So there's a lot to look forward to next season. I thought it was obvious that while Andor primarily used physical sets for most of the production, that didn't mean the volume technology or stagecraft, as it's sometimes called, was completely disregarded. 
there are scenes, for example, in the prison, at Mon Mothma's place, looking over our Coruscant's skyscape, and the escape from Aldani. I just assumed they were using LED screen tech there, because if you got access to something, but you don't want to use it overtly, you only want to use it sparingly, I can't imagine you would refuse to use it. So, in those places where you blend the real set with the volume, it allows you to give your actors more information to put in their performances. That leads to better acting. And the show has been better for it. And it makes sense in those instances I just mentioned, and I'm sure there's more. Now that the show is wrapped up, the final volume of Nicholas Bertel's great work on the soundtrack scoring and music for the series is on its way. Volumes 1 and 2 are already available to stream and purchase, but Volume 3 will also be ready starting Friday, December 2nd. That's this week if you're listening to the podcast the week that it comes out. All 12 versions of the main title theme will be clear of sound effects and dialogue, as will some of the songs. <laughs> We've already been enjoying one of the biggest hits in the galaxy since the Neomos Morlana Club mix could be heard in several different places during the series, including some dinner parties on Coruscant. We're most looking forward to the fantastic music during the finale in Volume 3 since it's not available yet, but let me know what you think is the best musical contribution to Star Wars by Bertel. Our last news update came at the halfway point of the season, and what a surprise the second half became with the addition of Andy Serkis to the cast. One of the best pieces of news I read online was that both Tony Gilroy and director Toby Haynes pointed out we don't see him die, and the mystery of Kino Loy's fate means he's still alive. Becoming a fan favorite character in his few episodes might surely be owed to the love fans have for the actor, at least or maybe more so than how terrific the character fit into the Star Wars story. I read in quite a few places, Circus was worried that people would start theorizing about the connection between Kino Loy and Snoke. And while I understand the worry, I think people don't give true Star Wars fans enough credit. It is reasonable, I suppose, in that when Kino speaks over the loudspeaker... It has that voice modulation to make the announcer sound more menacing. I'm speaking to you from the command center on level eight. We shall see. We shall see. It could remind you of Snoke, of course. It's the same voice. There's no connection, however. And in an interview with director Toby Haynes in The Hollywood Reporter revealed that it was Gilroy that brought in Circus for the part, and Haynes considered a lot of different ideas that Circus had about the character. The process the director described of working with a showrunner and how that leads to finding the right solutions is exactly what you would hope to hear. Gilroy leads, but bows to better ideas. Haynes directs and wants creativity from the actors, but is smart enough and a big enough Star Wars fan to know when the droid needs to stay in the background and when an actor doing an accent would distract from the character development. In the end, we get a show that's both collaborative, but does have a clear voice and a clear direction. And hearing things like Kinaloy is a labor leader that got arrested, 
and that's why he was a natural factory foreman. That's the flavor that you you feel is there, but it's not going to ruin your palate. I think so, and so does Cassin. More Andor news. There's been some online discussion about what the numbers are for viewership of the show. Disney even released the first two episodes on ABC, FX, Freeform, and Hulu will have them available to watch until December 7th. I personally think that's the way of the future for many series going forward, but some people have complained that that's actually a sign that Andor is performing terribly. House of the Dragon and the Rings of Power both outperformed Andor according to self-reported statistics. Now, Lucasfilm, Disney, don't appear to be disputing that. Though I make the argument Andor is light years better than Rings of Power and is probably the best competitor to the Game of Thrones prequels right now. It would seem, however, that an analytics company's indication that Andor is in low demand is not entirely accurate. A data analyst claimed he entered incorrect information and that Andor, while in lesser demand than The Mandalorian Seasons 1 and 2, The Book of Boba Fett, and Obi-Wan Kenobi, it's actually performing better than expected, including having exceptional demand in several instances. I so appreciate the support. You know, I almost didn't include this story. But I did to point out that just because people claim to have numbers, you can't always believe what's being said when it's self-reported. Let your eyes and ears judge your experience. Are you enjoying the show? That's what matters. Sometimes really great shows don't find the audience quick enough to get another season made. Well, let's look at Rotten Tomatoes just for an example. That site gives it a 96 score for the critics and an 85 for the audience score as I'm recording this. Those are pretty good numbers. And guess what? Season 2 already has the green light. It's already shooting. It's the planned last season. Doesn't matter what the numbers say. We're getting more Andor, and I think that makes it really great news. Sometimes the student guides the master. Ahsoka is getting closer and closer to finishing production on its first season. Natasha Lou Bordizo posted in October that she had completed her work on the show, but there hasn't been any official word from the show or Rosario Dawson that all shooting is finished. Of course, even after that's done, there's still quite a lot of editing and special effects work, so it might be late next year before the show debuts. Tony Gilroy said something similar about Andor Season 2. They may start or finish shooting in August, but it depends on how much money Disney and Lucasfilm want to throw at the special effects. That's going to determine how quickly the show is released. Let's go! It's possible one or two of the characters from Ahsoka makes a cameo in Season 3 of The Mandalorian, since both Ahsoka and Sabine Wren visited Mandalore during Rebels. Entertainment Weekly released a video interview they took shortly after the Lucasfilm panel at D23 in September, but they only released it in early November. That explains why it wasn't news during the past two months. Executive producer Rick Famuyiwa indicated 
that the line in the trailer about Grogu's dad not being the only Mandalorian is a big thread that is going to be pulled on in Season 3. Actress Katie Sackhoff indicated that her character of Bo-Katan will be challenged by trying to lead and unite and change. Emily Swallow was present, meaning that we will see the armorer once again, and it could also mean that we're going to see the strain of the schism between the Night Owls and the Children of the Watch, and whether Death Watch or some other version of it is going to be competing to see which version of being a Mandalorian is going to win out. Pedro Pascal voiced his discomfort with wearing the helmet, which I find ironic since Brendan Wayne and Latif Crowder are the ones wearing it so often. It was Giancarlo Stanton, however. I thought he discussed the most shocking part of the video where he says Moff Gideon wants to be a Mandalorian. Is that why he's so mean? That's, that's his psychological that's his real problem. Him he, he really wants yeah. to be a Mandalorian. And, and Because we're cool. You know, well, not only because we're cool, but because the strength and power of the Mandalorians is not necessarily that they're individuals. It's that they're, they're part of a group that have an ideal and a morality and a dream. There's another article that indicates some new armor that he'll wear, and I don't want to spoil what it'll look like and where it draws inspiration from, but you can look that up if you want. I'll say the description, if accurate, sounds very striking. We know there's going to be Kowakian monkey lizards and trees from the... This is from the trailer. Clatoonians, Trandoshans, Dr. Pershing, Pelimot, R5, Babu Freak, Grief Karga... Protocol droids, space battles. We can't wait for season three to release in February, but you're telling me that there's a plot line where Moff Gideon, who I think was the architect of the Night of a Thousand Tears or Ten Thousand Tears or a Million Tears, whatever it was, he wants to be part of that? Kind of like a self-hate thing? I mean, it's very interesting. Season four news. Filoni and Favreau gave an interview to Entertainment Weekly about the creative process and how much they love Star Wars and all of the influences, and they discussed preparing for the next season coming after the season that has yet to air. It's possible that The Mandalorian could be something of a lead-in to the show Skeleton Crew, also set in the Star Wars universe, and a show, as it so happens, coming from an idea by Spider-Man No Way Home director John Watts, as told to John Favreau on the set of that movie, Spider-Man No Way Home. Favreau says in the article that he is really enjoying the collaborative, or to use his word, cohesive group of stories, and he's writing the next season with new characters, locations, and creatures right now. It's not a giant leap to suggest that Favreau and Filoni would pepper in some of the characters, and I, for one, trust them to make it make sense and not make it feel forced. Forced? <laughs> These are two guys who put an entire episode of The Mandalorian into the Boba Fett show, and then went off on a tangent for a Luke and Ahsoka 
and Grogu episode. Maybe it's wishful thinking. However, as I mentioned already, that season three isn't finished. Season four is being written. And Skeleton Crew is probably not going to be available until at least the winter of next year, 2023. I don't even know if it's filming. I guess it has been. But effects take time. And who might you be? Something else that takes time? Animation. Tales of the Jedi debuted in October and the six episodes revealed a little bit about two former Jedi in particular, but many more. There wasn't much surprising about Ahsoka's story for me. You know, we know she survives into the post-Empire era. The character has been well-developed. We just got to see a little bit more. I I think it was nice to see her defeat the sixth brother. But the real interest for me came from the Count Dooku trio of episodes. I mean, hearing Yano speak be given real purpose in the story beyond being a background character from A Phantom Menace, along with the storylines getting clarified in Attack of the Clones and Dooku's death at the beginning of Revenge of the Sith being somehow an echo now of the scenes in Tales of the Jedi, it all worked. It was animation, but it was important watching, I think, if you love Star Wars. Fans are already speculating who they'd like to see for a season two, but they're throwing out so many names. I would prefer that if you're going to do a season two, harken back to something like an original story about Luke, maybe between A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back, or maybe something between Empire and Return of the Jedi while he's working on getting used to his new hand. Perhaps we see Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn. Or an Obi-Wan-Anakin story that we've heard about but never seen. Stick with big names for Season 2. And I hope they don't go too far back trying to create lore. When there are plenty of stories around that we would be very interested in. And, I mean, you can't go wrong with characters like Leia or Luke. (laughs) The Acolyte has started shooting. Not a person. It's a show. (laughs) Leslie Headland is the showrunner. And I'm very worried that this is going to be a show that has the message that Disney loves pouring down our throats. But I'll absolutely give it a chance. The most notable project I saw from Leslie Headland was Russian Doll. But... One glance at her social media is all that I need to make me worried. And she is directing the series pilot. The show is going to film through May of 2023. Has a target date for streaming in the first half of 2024. Executive producers for the show are Kathleen Kennedy, of course. Simon Emanuel, Jeff F. King, and Jason McAuliffe. And the only name I readily recognize is Kennedy's. Though I saw Emmanuel produced eight episodes of The Witcher, the Robert Pattinson version of The Batman, and he's also involved in the new Indiana Jones movie and is listed as a producer on Solo and Rogue One. Producing the show are Damian Anderson from the second unit of the Solo movie and the upcoming movie The Marvels, and Rain Roberts, longtime Lucasfilm creative executive involved as far back as The Force Awakens. The biggest name associated with it, in my estimation, is The Matrix's Carrie Ann Moss. 
I would say that Trinity is indeed leading the cast. Many of them were unofficially unveiled a couple of months back, but now it's official by the Lucasfilm and Disney Plus Public Relations Department as of early November. So you got Amanda Stenberg, Emmy Award winner Lee Jun Jae from Squid Game, Manny Jacinto, Daphne Keene, Jody Turner-Smith, Rebecca Henderson, Charlie Barnett, and Dean Charles Chapman, who, like some of the Andor cast, was in the movie in 1917. Yeah? Good. Last month, we learned that Disney indicated it wants new Star Wars games every six months. Jedi Survivor, the sequel to Fallen Order, may be getting a March 2023 release with a tie-in novelization of the events between the sequel and original game also being released around the same time. It's rumored there's going to be a new trailer for the game at the December 8th Video Game Awards. Does new game every six months count if you're releasing a new version of an old game? You know, just with basically some additional DLC. Well, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga Galactic Edition is now out and contains several new character packs, as we mentioned in a previous new update. Still probably the biggest game Star Wars has for this holiday, and those games are definitely fun. My bone to pick might be that the Andor character pack has Cashin, Bix, Dedra, Luthen, and Cyril. But no Clea or Andor version of Mon Mothma? Why not toss in Aquino, Loy, or Melshi? It's not like the character models have to be that different. Heck, we got a Boba Fett version or Book of Boba Fett version of the Armor and Pelimato. If you really want to play like Luke or Leia or Han, you probably should have purchased the new skins for Fortnite. I did so already. The only gripe I have is there's no lightsaber harvesting tool, but maybe that's because periodically they put the lightsaber in as a weapon. They are no longer available, so they do bring them back from time to time. If you play the game, you're just going to have to keep on top of it. I will also say that I think it might still be available or it's 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 going away soon for free for a, pe- a period of time in the Epic Games launcher, you could get Star Wars Squadrons. I already purchased that game a couple of years ago, but you do need to have the PC version of the Epic Games launcher in order to get that game for free and you log in. You go to uh, you know the free game section, and you can claim that free game. If you're listening to this Wednesday the 30th or early Thursday morning, you still have time. But I think as of 11 a.m. on December 1st, the game will be no longer free. So act fast. A new card game is going to become available in March of next year from Asmodee and Fantasy Flight called Star Wars The Deck Building Game. Right now it costs $37.99, and that seems pretty reasonable to me since I know what the cost of Pokemon cards now are with my daughter 
And once upon a time, I bought a Magic the Gathering deck that I never used. This game, the Star Wars the deck building game, it's a two-player game. Rebel Alliance versus Galactic Empire. And you build your deck to be the first to destroy three of your opponent's bases. Tabletop gamers have a chance to get paid to play the new Shatterpoint miniatures game. There's a three-part questionnaire that you got to fill out, and it's most likely hoping to create something like Critical Role has on Twitch and YouTube for Dungeons and Dragons. You know, I think this Shatterpoint or whoever is developing the game wants to create some buzz, and then they get some free advertising out of the arrangement. So you're getting paid to play the game and probably stream it. I'm not going to provide the link to the trailer or the article on StarWarsNews.net dated November 9th. But I just mentioned it. If it sounds like something you're interested in, the YouTube trailer has the information on how to apply. The game itself comes out in June of next year. From the dark side of the Force, the Supreme Master, the Emperor, and he's yours free just by sending five groups of purchase from any Star Wars action figures to Return of the Jedi. Okay, collectors, this is a very busy time of year. There's a nine-week holiday underway, which is specifically designed to take all our money. From mid-October through December 13th is... A campaign, Bring Home the Galaxy. It's a marketing push by Lucasfilm Toys that are made by Hasbro, Funko, Lego, Mattel, and others. Okay. Week 1 saw stationary gift sets by Aaron Condren. Don't know who that is. Sorry. A Funko Pop advent calendar. The Lego Star Wars Ultimate Collector Series, the Razor Crest. Darth Vader Ornament. Star Wars Galactic Pals Ewok plush doll, and Boba Fett snow gear set. That's an actual wearable snow gear set themed for Boba Fett. Week 2 featured a Star Wars Sithmas collection of shirts by Rain Spooner. Don't know who that is either. Lego Star Wars Avon Calendar, which our family bought one year. So it's a little different from the uh, the Funko Pop one. Darth Vader voice manipulating plush doll. Grogu Amazon Echo Dot Stand by Otterbox. Qui-Gon Jinn and Jedi Master Dooku Legacy Lightsabers. Gentle Giant Limited Edition Mini Character Busts. Han Solo Watch by Citizen and a Lightsaber Forge Inquisitor Set. To build one of the Sith Inquisitor spinning blades, though I'm pretty sure these are not going to spin. Week 3 featured a Vel Sartha Black Series figure, Enso Rings Rebels vs. Empire collection, Lego Star Wars Bad Batch inspired the Justifier build set, Trilogy inspired 3-pack of socks by Stance, and matching Galactic Empire Long John pajamas by Hannah Anderson. Week 4, there's a Vintage Collection Boba Fett featured, Lego Inquisitor Transport Set, and sunglasses by Diff, D-I-F-F, that are themed for Fennec Shand, Queen Amidala, Obi-Wan, Chewbacca, Ahsoka Tano, 
Boba Fett, Luke, Leia, Vader, C-3PO, R2, The Mandalorian, Stormtrooper, Grogu, X-Wings. And we're talking multiple versions of each of those. Week 5 has an Obi-Wan Kenobi show inspired Kenobi vs. Vader Lego set. But it's the episode 3 fight. Not the one in the finale. There's a book by Ahsoka's animated voice actor Ashley Eckstein that promises a year's worth of crafts, recipes, and activities. Star Wars watches by Citizen. And Igloo has a collection of coolers of different types and designs, but some of them are already sold out, so I guess that supply is very limited. Week 6 on StarWars.com's Bring Home the Galaxy page had holiday pet accessories from pet supplier Chewy, another collection of rings from Enzo, this time the I Love You and I Know set, a Mandalorian retro collection of action figures that looks absolutely amazing, a VHS-inspired edition of Star Wars KOTOR by Limited Run Games. It's meant to look like a movie release that contains a physical copy of the game for the Nintendo Switch. And the clever item of Week 6, at least to me, is a pop figure Star Wars New Hope movie poster Luke Skywalker and R2-D2. For the first time, I think it makes sense to get one because in the box, well, it looks like it's specifically designed to stay in the box. It's got a poster behind the two figures. So it's a great idea for changing things up with those pop figures, if you ask me. Now you have something that's designed to stay in the box. And there's the movie poster behind the characters. Week 7 has Deck the Hoth and Rebel Crumb Holiday Shirts. A 12-inch Darth Vader figure called Galactic Action Darth Vader. Star Wars-themed gaming chairs from Secret Labs. Way out of my price range. And for my wife, the possibility you could get a Grogu a Mandalorian fashion bag from Vera Bradley's The Mandalorian Collection. No way. Yes way, Ted! That campaign has one more week to go with more items released on December 6th. Hasbro announced some new figures coming to their Black Series and Vintage Collection lines. First one I saw was the Morak version of Din Djarin in Imperial Combat Driver uniform. Jedi Fallen Order Cal Kestis. Scar Trooper Mike. Legends character Mara Jade, comic book character Dr. Afra, and Knights of the Old Republic characters Bastila Shan and Darth Malak. Those are all from the Black Series. And the Vintage Collection, an Artillery Stormtrooper, and Paz Vizsla from The Mandalorian. Then some Return of the Jedi Anniversary figures. There is a Boba Fett with Flamethrower Flame Accessories, Ewok Poplu, Bib Fortuna, Chewbacca with Bowcaster, Death Star Stormtrooper, an Emperor Palpatine that looks a lot more like the character in the movies than the sendaway ones that you got in the 80s. You know, you had to send in proof of purchases to get one. Selt Murray, a.k.a. Yakface. Woof, a.k.a. Clatoonian with Vibro Axe. Nikto Skiffguard. These are all from The Return of the Jedi again. Kathaba, Skiff Card, and Speederbike and Scout Trooper. But beware. I don't think this is the kind that you can blow up by pressing down on the back 
that I had as a kid. I think it's just a scout trooper and bike that do not uh, explode or whatever they called it. There were also two ROTJ figures for almost $70 for the both of them, exclusive to Amazon in something called the Black Series Carbonized Collection. There's a shiny red Imperial Red Royal Guard and a chrome-like Thai fighter pilot. And those are both in 6-inch form. There are also retro collection editions of Luke Skywalker, Leia as the Boosh or Bausch Bounty Hunter, Han on Endor, Biker Scout also from Endor, Forlom and Zuckus from Empire Strikes Back, Lando in the Skiff Guard outfit from Jabba's Palace in Return of the Jedi, and Emperor Palpatine from Return of the Jedi coming out in summer of 2023. I seriously considered pre-ordering the Luke figure, by the way, coming in at a reasonable $12. Let's go! For the minor lottery winners among us, though, you can get your own Black Series Phase 2 Clone Trooper Premium Electronic Helmet for $131.99. I do not imagine it is one size fits all. It says ages 14 and up, but if you have a head over 5 and 3 quarter inches, don't bank on being able to squeeze inside that. And I did not pre-order the Force Effects Elite Luke Skywalker Green Lightsaber retailing at $278.99. I got nowhere to store this. No fireplace, no mantle. And we do not live in California, so I, you know I wasn't that $2 billion Powerball winner a few months or a couple weeks ago. Just one more thing. Why, thank you, Space Columbo Captain Tiva. Disney Parks News Time. Bob Iger is back. For some time, Disney has been nickel-and-diming park-goers and increasing costs for people to just enjoy any experience that has Disney in the name. It appears that instead of making the company more money, it has been, in fact, doing the opposite. So, the board kicked Bob Chapek, now the former CEO, to the curb. They asked the previous CEO before JPEG, Iger, to come back. And he said yes. And it sounds great, but I always feel like there's an agenda with Disney. I knew it. I knew you were lying. I knew it. JPEG raises prices. Then Iger comes in. Maybe he lowers some of them slightly. But what we're left with is this goalpost that's moved significantly. Then the walk back is only for a small fraction. It's like a 50-yard gain for Disney on the field, and then a penalty at the end of the play, after the play's over, moves it back just slightly. Disney is still making out big. Now, maybe I'm being a little too skeptical, but it's early. Maybe Iger will make deeper rollbacks. There's no other way. I think it's a good decision to get rid of Chapek. I think he was... Truly only bottom lining for for Disney, which I think is it's a business, and we all understand that. But you also need to keep the fans of Disney happy and able to enjoy your content, your rides, your parks, your shopping experiences. And if you raise it 
as much as JPEG was and you don't bring things back down or you don't add back some of the things that we've been missing from Disney, people are going to stay away. People who used to go to the parks a lot. People like my family. For the greater good. Call it what you will. Okay, time to finally sign off. This has been a long news update. If you think I missed something, though, send me a message. Email is thisisthewaypodcast at gmail.com. And with Linktree, all our links can be found in one place. It's l-i-n-k-t-r dot e-e forward slash thisisthewaypod. There's you're gonna, that's where you're going to find our Twitter, Instagram links, at This Is The Way Pod, as well as links to our YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Please reach out, contact us, send us questions. I think the podcast is better when there's more engagement. Thank you so much for joining me for this November 2022 news update. If you haven't, please go enjoy Andor and then enjoy our coverage of the show. The only episode we haven't covered yet is the finale, and that should be coming out soon. I may or may not take December off from news updating, but if I do have news, it'll probably be covering the next Star Wars shows coming to Disney+, Plus. the first of which is going to be Season 2 of The Bad Batch. And if we hear anything on The Mandalorian or Ahsoka or Acolyte, I'll include that news as well. I'm your host, Steve Lascalzo, and this is The Way. May the Force be with you, always. Always.